Welcome to The Strategic Investor. Join us as we interview some of the world's most productive asset managers and uncover sophisticated and unique investment strategies in the markets. Here is your host, Charlie Wright. Hello and welcome to Strategic Investor Radio on OC Talk Radio, where we bring you investment strategies you are not hearing elsewhere. I'm Charlie Wright. We're very pleased you've joined us and we'd like to welcome... David Sand, Chief Impact Strategist and commu at Community Capital Management and Impact Investing Company. He speaks to us from their offices in Boston. David, welcome to Strategic Investor Radio. Thank you, Charlie. It's great to be here. So, David, you started 35-plus uh, years ago in investment management, so you're a young guy like me. Uh, you are now the face of community capital management at conferences, university campuses, elsewhere where, where they want speakers, etc. You work with institutions, uh, institutional investors, as well as well as private investors. So let's begin with telling the story of community capital management because it's unique. You're not the kind of company we're ordinarily interviewing on this show. And again, you're all about impact investing. Thanks. That's absolutely right. We are an independent impact investment money management firm. We specialize in fixed income investments, investing in the bond market in the United States. And we're doing market rate investments, but we're allowing and encouraging our clients to request either a geographic area within the United States or one of 17 impact themes that we're able to focus on in managing a fixed income portfolio for our clients. Um, those themes range from community economic development to a strategy for gender lens, transit-oriented development, sustainable agriculture, um, a lot of other issues that are of interest and concern to our clients as you mentioned, both institutional and individual. And how long has uh, community capital management, let's just call you CCM, been doing this? CCM has been around since 1999. Uh, our tagline on our website is that we've been uh, doing impact investing since that time. Truth of the matter is the term, we, we, we were doing this strategy uh, before the term really came into popular use. Um, it's used to be called community investing or socially responsible investing, still sometimes called ESG, environment social governance investing. We think of it as a strategy, and it may be called something else someday. Maybe someday it'll just be called investing. Who knows? But what we, we think covers all of those terms is the importance of a client articulating the value system and the values that they want to see reflected in their portfolio, or at least the portion of their portfolio that we're lucky enough to manage for them. Now, did this uh, come about as a result of the Community Reinvestment Act? And so do you work with institutions like banks, et cetera, or is it all private money from individual investors? Who, who invests with you? So, uh, the great question, and, and the answer is both. Um, but the origin and heritage of the firm was managing money for regulated financial institutions, mostly banks, who were covered by the Community Reinvestment Act and had a requirement from their regulators that they are a demonstrate 
long-term investment on their balance sheet that was reflective of their support for the community uh, in which they were doing banking and taking federally insured deposits. And that's still a, a very, very large part uh, of our business. Um, after a decade or so, um, as investors began to be interested in what we now call impact investing, uh, many of the same values and issues and opportunities uh, applied. Our first set of non-bank clients were foundations. Uh, happy to say many of them are still clients of ours. Um, and as the field has grown and we've had more interest from the major wealth management firms, the, the, what used to be called the broker-dealer wirehouses, where they have uh, programs now for their clients, allowing clients to do impact investing, allowing clients to invest with their values, um, we've been able to offer our services to that new uh, client constituency as well. So, David, let's see uh, if I understand this accurately, and uh, please let us know what I may be missing here. So you raise funds from institutional investors and private investors, starting with banks, et cetera, covered by the Community Reinvestment Act. Okay, and you raise funds from them, and they uh, invest, and, and you take that money that you raise and you invest through bonds, and you get basically a market return from that, but the investor, whether the individual or the, uh, the institution, can choose geographic as well as thematic opportunities to gear those investments in certain areas according to what is important to them. And so this can help align their values with their investments. And again, they're getting pretty much a market return on their fixed income portfolio. This is not equities. This is fixed income. They're getting a market return and they're getting the opportunity to make impact that they otherwise wouldn't be making if they were just buying Microsoft or Apple bonds or something like that. Is that basically the story? Yes, that's, that, that uh, captured it very well. And, and just to add to that, we sort of get two strains of clients coming to us in the last, say, three, three to five years. Um, one is folks who've been very involved in impact or socially responsible investing in other asset classes. They've been doing microloans uh, in the developing world. They've been screening their equity portfolios for um, things that they didn't want to invest in. They didn't pay any attention to bonds. You know, we're bond managers. It doesn't hurt our feelings that we know that people don't think about bonds maybe first thing in the morning when they listen to your show or turn on CNBC. But as they've looked to do more uh, impact horizontally across asset classes, they've said, hey, wait a minute, what about fixed income? That's where we're actually lending our money to the recipient uh, of the proceeds from a bond uh, that's purchased or that their manager purchases for them. So we've had people come in and we're kind of the last piece of the puzzle for an all-impact strategy. At the other end of the spectrum and happening kind of at the same time, we've had people who said, all right, I've been hearing about impact investing. I really care about certain, certain things that maybe are not being adequately reflected in the portfolio. And this is true for individuals, but also for healthcare institutions, foundations, and faith-based investors as well. And they say, well, we've got to start somewhere. Why don't we find somewhere uh, conservative? So uh, we, not only do we invest in fixed income, 
which is a conservative asset class to begin with, but the investments we make are generally a very high credit quality, um, either because they're, they're rated that way or they have a guarantee from a government agency. So people kind of stick a toe in the water, and we're a, we're a, we're a first step, a baby step, for a program for impact investing. And we have clients, new clients coming to us literally from both ends of that uh, spectrum. So, so, so let's ask here, let's dig into the, the tall weeds a little bit. So this is fixed income. These are bonds, and bonds are loans, and loans are only as good as the borrower uh, is at paying them back. So tell us about the safety, the record, and why somebody should feel safe in investing in the kinds of, of uh, companies or organizations that you're lending to, because I'm sure many of them, they're not the Microsofts <laughs> and the Apples of the world. No, so uh, the lo- there are loans are the core. The, the, the kernel of economic activity that we're investing in is always a loan between a lender and a borrower, but we're buying potentially a mortgage-backed security with a guarantee or an asset-backed security that's highly rated um, or, you know, a series of other financial engineering devices which allow us to boost the credit quality of the instrument that we end up owning. So we, as bond managers, the structure that we own is very important. It's where we get our credit quality. It's where we get liquidity when we need it. Um, it's where we get the ability to show people our portfolio and have it look like a portfolio that they're familiar with as a, a high credit quality fixed income portfolio. But because we're always tracking the underlying economic activity, whether it's a loan to an affordable housing property or a small business loan to a minority-owned business or a transit-oriented development opportunity which has tenant services or Maybe in a little bit we can get into some some actual examples, but we're always tracking that underlying economic activity, and we run a proprietary database where we, for everything that we buy, we do a use of proceeds analysis. So um, we're buying something, but we are trying to track literally to the last penny where the money we spend on behalf of our clients, where it's going, um, whether by geography or impact theme, or social program, or community program, or a combination of all of those. And your rates that, that, that you're looking at uh, of default and of late payments, etc., they, do they compete well with other bonds, with banks, etc.? Yes. I mean, our, our, uh, we, we're in the fixed income market, so things are very uh, sensitive to changes in prevailing interest rates. Um, We're no different, no better, no worse than a lot of other fixed income uh, strategies for that. Um, For default rates, uh, if it's an insured, um, let's say it's a pool of uh, mortgages to first-time homebuyers in a low-income area, um, that's going to be the instrument that we're going to purchase is going to be guaranteed by an agency like Ginnie Mae or Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac. Um, If the borrower defaults, if the borrower sells their home, if the borrower refinances the mortgage that we own, we experience all three of those things uh, as a prepayment. We get 100 cents on the dollar because of the nature of the mortgage insurance. And we always hope that when we do get a prepayment, it's because someone got a better job and sold their house to, to move into a bigger house or a nicer house. But 
from an economic perspective, um, we experience a home sale and a default as the same event. So we don't have a credit loss to speak of. We're getting back the principal that was invested in that security. So tell us. In other uh, areas, sorry for one sec. In other ahead. areas, um, when it's a rated investment, we're buying, generally speaking, single A, double A, or triple A rated instruments. Okay. So, David, uh, give us uh, an example or two, will you, of somebody who wanted to do something, they came to you, kind of how it worked out, what they invested in, uh, in what area, in what theme, etc. Sure. So maybe moving from west to east, just the investments that we've made um, that that we think are nice paradigms that our clients have told us they've really enjoyed uh, owning. Uh, The first one in Oakland, the property called the Hotel Oakland uh, was actually built after the San Francisco earthquake. So it's the kind of thing, if it was being done today, we would call it a disaster recovery bond. That term wasn't really in use. It was built as a luxury hotel, and it, it was stayed in business for many years um, as an absolute tip-top, you know, four-star, five-star hotel. Uh, Oakland, as most of your listeners know, uh, experienced some uh, economic decline. Uh, it was vacant. For many years, it was actually taken over by the Veterans Administration and turned into a hospital uh, during World War II, and then it was completely abandoned for many years. There was a community effort to revitalize it, uh, repurpose it, if you will. Uh, It was turned into, and it remains, uh, a very successful affordable housing property. Uh, Also has a lot of health services. Uh, Asian American Health Services operates out of there. Um, They treat people in many different languages, and of course, Oakland is having a renaissance, as are so many cities uh, around America, and the, the continued survival and, and uh, endurance of this property serving a, an affordable population um, is something that, you know, is very consistent with the values of a lot of our, a lot of our clients. Moving into the middle of the country in Chicago, um, there was a, uh, what when I was growing up was called a project called the Henry Horner Homes. They actually wrote a book about it. If uh, your listeners know There Are No Children Here by Alex Kotlowitz, he went and lived in the project and uh, told some, some pretty horrific stories about uh, poverty, racism, and its effect on pe- population. Um, that property was torn down, and what replaces it and what we have an investment in is West Haven Park, uh, it's lower density, it's affordable, it has uh, available child care and job training services nearby, um, and it was built under uh, environmental uh, and sustainable building standards. And then the last one, uh, there's actually a movie coming out about it now, so we're talking to, to people about it, is Manhattan Plaza uh, on the west side of Manhattan on West 42nd Street. The movie's called Miracle on 42nd Street. Um, I grew up in New York City. And I can tell you firsthand that uh, the west side of Manhattan has experienced, again, like a lot of cities, a lot of changes. Uh, it's now site of tremendous building of market rate uh, condos and all the rest. But Manhattan Plaza was built to preserve affordability in that neighborhood, and it was specifically focused on the arts uh, and the arts community. And so. Famous people like Larry David and Alicia Keys and Mickey Rourke and Terrence Howard, a bunch of people, quite frankly, that I'd never heard of, you know, at one time or another lived in this 
facility in Manhattan Plaza, um, and obviously went on to make tremendous contributions to the to the arts and culture scene um, in New York. And so that kind of an investment, it's geographic, it's preserving affordability uh, for you know working class and middle class people, and it's also serving uh, kind of a human empowerment uh, and arts and culture uh, theme as well because of the nature of the tenant population that, that it supports. We have lots and lots of examples. We, we manage $2.5 billion. Um, we have lots of stories within the portfolio. Um, different clients are motivated to come to us for different reasons, and we think that's great. Um, you know, we have people who care very much about affordable housing, and we have people who care very much uh, about gender lens and investing in women and families, and we feel like we can serve and work with and work for uh, all of them across that spectrum. David, thank you very much for um, telling us those stories. That they were very interesting. I could have listened to a dozen of those here. Were uh, really interesting. So, so, so let, let me ask you this question. Every week in Barron's magazine, which I read uh, religiously. Uh, they interview an investment advisor who's very successful, typically in urban areas. That these are urbane, sharp, successful, great people, managing hundreds of millions of dollars or billions. And they uh, interview them. They find out what kind of investments they're recommending. What are they talking about, etc. They almost never talk about their bond investments or fixed income investments. And uh, typically it says uh, somewhere in the article, hey, we invest 25, typically 30% into bonds and we're into corporates and munis and, uh, you know, a few other kinds of bonds, etc. So have you been able to penetrate that marketplace, the advisors who have to recommend bonds and bonds are not very exciting for anybody, uh, have you been able to get to those people, and what kind of objections and concerns do they have when you get to them? So uh, it, it's it's challenging. Um, w w when I started in the business, since you, you dated me at the top of the show, uh, you were supposed to have a 60-40 portfolio. It was 60% equity and 40% fixed income or 40% right. bonds. Yeah. Well, I don't even know if there's any official rule now, but the, your listeners all know the proliferation of asset classes, and we do global, and we do alternatives, and we're doing hedge funds and timber and, and all the rest. And the percentage of a, uh, a well-managed asset-allocated portfolio, the percentage allocated to uh, U.S. taxable core fixed income has shrunk over the years. Um, that's just the reality of the business that we're in. Right. Um, it's also true. Uh, we've been in a bull market in equities and a bull market in uh, fixed income. Some would argue that may be ending this year, but so far um, it hasn't for, for at least a decade. So For 30 years, um, really. It's uh, three decades on fixed income. Well, I mean. fixed income since 1982, which is yeah, a very long that's time. That's right. That's right. Um, but there are certain components to the sector that we invest in that never go completely out of style. One is liquidity. Right. Um, you know, the instruments we, we manage, they may have been constructed specifically for our requests. We, we build some of the security, we cause to be built some of the securities that we own, but they are not 
owned by us until they get the wrap, they get the, the guarantee, or, or, you know, get put into the structure. So we have liquidity. Some of these other asset classes, which, you know, they do, they do great. You know, I'm, a, I'm an investor in them. I'm sure you are, too. There can be buyer's boycotts. There can be liquidity challenges. Yep. So most investors want to have something in their portfolio that isn't cash, which still isn't really paying that much, but can be converted to cash on very short notice. So fixed income is good for that. There's also um, a lot of our investments come from uh, non-taxable accounts, either because it's someone's IRA, their 401k, or it's a pension fund, or it's a, uh, a foundation, a healthcare, you know, an entity that's not paying taxes on dividends and interest. And as a result, they take advantage of the reinvestment of their income, um, which does build value over time and is a very good non-correlated anti-volatility uh, opportunity. Well, David, thank you for, for pointing those things out. We, we appreciate it. Let's, let's move a little to the personal side here and ask you three questions that uh, we like to ask our guests. Number one, how, briefly describe the best advice you ever heard, read, or received about investing. You've been in the business 35-plus years. You must have heard some gems. So I did, and, and the one that, uh, that comes to mind um, was, was, was not a pleasant experience at the time that I heard it. I was coming into Wall Street. It was my first job. Uh, it was at a, a firm that some people may, may know used to be called uh, Shearson Lobroads, long since uh, absorbed and merged and everything else. Yeah. And, uh, I was coming into a partnership with a man named Robert Schwartz, who, who's passed away quite a few years ago, and he was one of the first practitioners of what was called socially responsible investing, and he wanted to hire me, which was great. Uh, I didn't have any uh, financial experience to, to speak of. I'd been a history major at college, and so we, I was brought in to meet the manager uh, of his branch uh, on Fifth Avenue in New York City. And we talked about it, and I think he liked me a little bit, maybe, maybe not a lot. But at the end of it, he pointed his finger at me and said, look, I understand what you want to do. You need to understand you make money or you're dead. <laughs> and I, at age 20-something, I, I don't know that I really heard that in the way that, that, uh, that I should have. But what I've, over the years, come to think from that is that you know, being in the investment business carries a lot of responsibility. We are fiduciaries for our clients. We're telling our clients we're going to do market rate investing. We live or die by our success at doing that. The fact that it's impact investing and that we're, we're investing alongside their values and consistent with their values, that has to be part of a strategy that uh, fulfills their financial needs as well. You know, David, I'm great still alive, point. so I must have done okay by it. Yeah, that, that's right. Great point. Really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, 35 years later, you're, you're still living by that here. <laughs> so what keeps you awake at night? I, I sleep pretty well. But when I do wake up at night, I, I do worry about the stress that we have in our society, particularly in the United States. Now, it's not necessarily something that needs to get political, um, but we spend a lot of time yelling at each other, and we have a lot of very, very divergent and sometimes hostile views back and forth about 
a lot of issues where, in my opinion, if we took a deep breath and let people sit down and really talk about where they're coming from and what it is that they want out of life, um, they would agree uh, more than they would disagree. <clears throat> what gets me up in the morning and gets me excited in the morning is I think now uh, there are, it's not just within politics that people vote. I think people are voting broadly defined in the marketplace. Um, and you're seeing a lot of things where people say, these are the type of products I want to buy, and I don't want to buy this type of product because it's not aligned with my values. To me, that's sort of a marketplace democracy at work. And obviously, at community capital management, the work that we're doing is allowing clients who want to emphasize uh, investments that, that they feel are aligned with themselves and their community and their, many cases, their faith and, and you know, uh, other issues that are of importance, we can be an expression for that. Well stated, David. Thank you. Thank you very much. So last question we'd like to ask all of our guests, what book on investing would you recommend for listeners? Well, this, this is, I, there's, there's two books I can recommend, Charlie, but they're both out of print. But uh, you can get them from used bookstores. And they're, they're, the first one is called The North Will Rise Again. It was written by Randy Barber and Jeremy Rifkin in uh, the late 1970s. They put forth a proposition that pension funds, because of the uh, amount of dollars that were being invested in private and public pension funds, were going to have tremendous influence over corporate uh, America and over America generally. They were particularly focused on, on union uh, uh, pension funds. And th they were completely wrong <laughs> for 30 years. Um, what's so interesting is a lot of what they put in that book is actually now coming about, not so much through organized investors, but through individual investors and small institutional investors reflecting, you know, call it impact investing or ESG investing. But it's very interesting to go back to that book and read what they were saying because they were, you know, prescient about, about many, many things. The other one that uh, is interesting is called The Ethical Investor. was written uh, by John Simon and some other people at Yale University uh, also in the 70s, and it talked about the possibility that institutions had responsibilities beyond the uh, mere uh, investment of their resources. They had responsibility to the community uh, and to their stakeholders. Um, and Interestingly, um, that's now coming back into vogue. Um, people who are familiar with uh, the Yale uh, method or the endowment method know that there was, there was not a lot of broad application on the part of investors, but now there's a great deal of discussion uh, about it. Neither of those are good beach reads, but they're uh, interesting to people who are interested in the field of impact investing and, and where it came from. David, thank you very much, uh, obviously, uh, because, uh, probably because they're out of print. We've never had anyone uh, recommend those before, so we appreciate that. Thank you very much. So for those who would like to know more, your website and contact information. Sure. Our website is ccminvests.com, and we are on Twitter at ccminvests. And uh, very grateful for the opportunity to talk to you today. So, David, final words for our listeners. Oh, David, but before, before oh. you do that, yes, there sir. is an excellent, I think, two-minute video on your website. I would recommend to anybody. Very effective, cogent, succinct 
description of who you guys are and what you do and how you do it. Thank um, you very much for that. Very good. Uh, very well I, done. I, I hope it was your idea. Uh, I won't take credit for it, but I will tell you that, that people have looked at that video. It's right on our homepage and told me that I've been talking to them for 20 years or more, and they never understood what we did until they saw that video. <laughs> I, I can believe it, really. It's, it's very well done, very well. So, final words for our listeners. Uh, thank you for the time. Uh, please visit our website. Um, we're interested in talking to people who are small investors, medium investors, and large investors. Okay, David, thank you very much, and uh, our best wishes to you and Community Capital Management for your continued success and uh, for the uh, hopefully uh, growing of that $2.5 billion. Appreciate you joining us today. Thank you for having me. Again, we've been talking with David Sand, Chief Impact Strategist at Community Capital Management, speaking to us from Boston. I'm Charlie Wright. We appreciate you joining us. We'd love to hear from you at info at strategicinvestorradio.com. And you can go to our website to hear podcasts of all of our interviews and shows, strategicinvestorradio.com. So we wish you an enjoyable week and productive investing. Strategic Investor Radio is a production of OC Talk Radio and is provided for educational purposes only. Content of this program and the views of the guests should not be considered as recommendations by OC Talk Radio or investment advice from the host Charlie Wright or any other entity attached to this production. Investors should always consult qualified financial, investment, tax, or legal professionals prior to investing.